Hello, bloodhounds, flesh eaters, creatures of the night, fans of horror. This is my bloody podcast, a podcast centered around everything horror going on in the entertainment world. I'm your host, Preston Barta, and I'm joined as always by the man who eats more brains than Hannibal Lecter and just may have the gimp locked up in his basement ready to unleash hell. Mr. Brian Kluger. <laughs> Hello. And you know what? We're not going to divulge into that, but I might also might be that gimp. <laughs> I, I completely believe it. <laughs> you doing all right, buddy? Yeah, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm just glad to be back here with you talking about all things horror. Yes, sir. It's, it's, it's good. What do yep. we got today? What do we got going today? So, yeah, this is uh, episode 17. Last week we got our license to drive, and now we can, I guess, legally get into all the movies we talk about each week. <laughs> finally. <laughs> finally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. my God. And then in the next week we'll be able to, like, vote and buy tobacco and drink finally. And get porn magazines. Yes. Oh, that, that, that's the most important thing, though, is the porn mag. Nudie magazine day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> can you believe we've been doing this for 17 episodes? Nope. I, I think I will say that all the way until we're pushing 80. Oh, I can't. I'm very excited. <laughs> very, very excited. Um but yes. So yeah, uh, a few weeks back, I think it was episode 11, we reviewed 1985's Return of the Living Dead. And since Scream Factory has released a kick-ass restoration and collector's edition of ni- the 1988 sequel, Return of the Living Dead Part 2, we thought we'd return to the Return of the Living Dead world. So that's our main feature discussion. But before we chow down on that, we have some horror news, our bloody question of the day, I guess that's what we can call it. I like and it. And our uh, bloody recommendations. Sounds good. Sounds good. I like it. Well, what's first on the news today? Um, well, I guess since last week was all about sharks, um, well, maybe we should start with some more shark news. <laughs> so... Um, if you have the Sci-Fi Channel and you were watching it on Tuesday night, uh, I think August 14th, uh, you may have come across a peculiar title that evening uh, called Santa Jaws. And it's a movie about a kid named Cody who, like Kevin in Home Alone, wishes he could be alone for Christmas. And his wish comes true, but in horrific fashion as a shark manifests and kills his entire family. So I guess uh, Jaws, the revenge, is no longer the solo, uh, there could be, but at least to my knowledge, uh, the only Christmas movie, Christmas-ish shark movie. So this one is taking that to the nth degree, because if you there's like some images out there, and there's like even like a little teaser clip, could be a whole trailer out at this point now that the movie has 
released. But you see the shark fin popping out of the water, and it has a shark hat on. Or a Santa hat on. Or a shark Santa hat. Shark hat, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I got LL Cool J's uh, shark hat lyric still stuck in my head. Yeah, this movie, um, I haven't seen it yet. It is rated PG, so it's not a, it's, it's family friendly. And you've got to think like with something called Santa Jaws, like J-A-W-S, you think like somebody in the Spielberg camp would like, hmm, suspect. And it's basically like Jaws, but Christmas themed, but only it wasn't released in December. It was released in the middle of summer, basically. Yeah. Not, not even like Christmas in July. It's like. August. Oh, it's so it's so it's so interesting. But like the poster for this movie is hilarious. It looks like it was sketched by a twelve-year-old, but still yeah. awesome. Uh, but yes, and it's it's a features a picture of a shark with a red eye and his um, his Santa hat on his uh, top fin. So <laughs> yeah, so yeah, th- this is uh like well, Sci-Fi Channel is right in the middle of their Sharknado week. And being that this, uh, we're recording this on Thursday, so we're a little more than halfway through the, the Sharknado week, which ends on Sunday. But uh, tonight, uh, Thursday night, there is uh, Nightmare Shark, which is a Freddy Krueger-style shark movie about a group of shark-attacked survivors who are haunted in their dreams by a supernatural shark. <laughs> so there's that. And on Friday, I, they don't have anything in the books, but so I imagine if any of those two movies, and I think uh, Deep Blue Sea 2 uh, kicked it off back on Monday. Right. So you can probably watch rewatch some of those during the reruns. And then on Saturday night, there's a six-headed shark attack. Um, so yeah, that kind of explains itself. And then on Sunday to finish it off, we have what we brought up last week, which is, uh, the last Sharknado. It's about time. You know, yeah, because because uh, that's going to be the the main event for that sci-fi. But you got to think, you know, it, at the sci-fi headquarters in their infinite wins- wisdom, you know, with like something like a six-headed shark thing. Do you think, like, the writers and filmmakers pitched it like we have a two-headed shark and they're like, no, no, that's not that's not good enough. We need we need six heads to be on sci-fi. <laughs> Probably so. Oh, and, you know, and you think about this and you're like, these movies get greenlit and made and they like, kind of do well in their own right. And how are we not part of this? How are we not making six-headed shark movies? <laughs> I don't know. It's like uh, it's like that part in um, uh, something about Mary when he's like six minute abs, and they're like, no, it's got to be seven, seven minute abs. <laughs> so eight is too much, but so the next one they got to do seven headed shark for sure, <laughs> and then so. any more than that, it's too much. I hope so. I hope so. It's uh, <laughs> that <laughs> I just I love that shit. I, I'm all over it. I want more of this, and I'm just glad sci-fi is greenlighting and allowing these movies to be made. And hopefully at some point, you know, these movies like like Netflix or Hulu will have like a side company and like have their own section of these types of movies. I mean, I don't know. I, I, mm-hmm. I just like it. I like it. I like it a lot. 
<sighs> what else do we got? Oh, 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 we got more Chucky news. I'm very excited because yep. I love all things Chucky. I don't know if you will love this, though. Um, I don't know how much you've read into what they're doing with this remake. <clears throat> do you know? I assume right now you probably know, but did you know before today uh, that it was going to be a robot doll? A robot doll? Yep. Like, well, I know you can kind of gather that from the from the original, but it's a full-on robot doll. Like, to work a little more with the, I guess, today, the present day and future. Like okay. Like, it's a, just a... All right. Yeah. Interesting. We'll see where that goes. And um, uh, Christy Elise, uh, she was in the original, and she was also in a Cult of Chucky. Uh, she did an interview with Horror Geek Life, and she uh, pulled no punches when she was asked about this remake and what she thought about it. And so I'm going to read a quick quote of what she said. And she said, I think it's unbelievably huge dick move. I think it's a douche move. Absolutely. I don't know why the fuck with a healthy franchise to make a complete competing franchise with an existing and healthy, robust franchise is super douchey. So she basically just kind of goes on and on about how, um, they shouldn't be making this, and while you know there's already movies continually being made, and then there's also the TV show, so they just feel like it, it shouldn't happen, especially in this direction that they're taking it in. She seems upset, but isn't she? Isn't she play? Yeah, she plays Kyle, but isn't she going to be in the other movies or something like that? Or is she in this one? Or she's not in this. Uh like separate remake that MGM's doing. Uh, she may be involved with the stuff that, uh, that Don and Brad Dorf are doing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's uh that's harsh. Uh, and you've got to think like, I don't know how I feel about it either. I mean, like the more Chucky, maybe the better, but also do you really want like five different storylines in the Chucky universe? Like it's just kind of hard to deal with. Um, yeah. I'd rather just have like the continuation of movies. Although it would also be cool to have like a really hardcore TV series, but you know, I don't know. This just seems like a robot Chucky. I don't know. I I kind of don't want that and I might agree with her. What about you? Uh yeah, I agree. I think they're I th- I feel like the Chucky movies are pretty you know, they're consistently pretty good, some, you know, highs and lows, but for the you know, compared to something like um, I don't know, like Halloween or Nightmare on Elm Street, like, you know, you would have like one really bad one. And I feel like for the most part, or at least in my opinion, that the Chucky movies are pretty consistently good. And I really liked the last one, uh, the Cult of Chucky. And so I think they're fine. I don't think more needs to be done. Um, I think the people who love and appreciate Child's Play and the Chucky franchise um, will continue to follow it and with the the movies that they're making and anything that Don Mancini is involved in. But for them to make a, a remake, it, it just sounds like it's just going to be like the same stuff that happened with, 
you know, in the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot that they did with, with uh, Jackie Earl Haley and um, the, I guess, the Friday the 13th uh, uh, remake, which wasn't bad. I liked that one. But. Right. But, yeah. but it just doesn't it just doesn't sound promising until but I guess we won't know for sure until we see some footage and uh, images and uh, more news on it to kind of get a feel for if this new direction that they're taking it in is uh, worth it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, is I, I'm just I, I, I'm 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 up with the uh, the movies. I'm down with this so far reboot with Robot Chucky. Although just the name Robot Chucky gives me all sorts of happiness in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> if it was like something as ridiculous as like Jason X or something like that, like just like a superhuman or like just like uh like on steroids, like Chucky on steroids type of thing, uh that would be funny. <laughs> Like Super Shredder from yes. uh, Ooze or something. Yes, yes, yes. All right, all right. Chucky movie reboots. Uh, let us know what you think. Um, going on to the next bit of news. There is a movie that I might be my most anticipated movie of the year. It's called Climax, and it's uh, directed by one of my favorite filmmakers, French filmmakers, Gaspar No, who gave us Irreversible. And I stand alone and enter the void. If you haven't seen these movies, holy fucking Moses, you are missing out because they are hardcore. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Climax trailer is his latest movie, and it looks like a very sexual, sexualized musical that I just I can't wait to see what Gaspar No does with this. What do you think? Yeah, it's uh, at least in the email that we got, it's being marketed as a satanic version of Step Up, uh, starring <laughs> Sophia Batella, who was in uh, Star Trek Beyond, and she was the mummy in the in the new Mummy movie with Tom Cruise. And yeah, as you said, it's got this feel and look of like a I don't know, like a Nicholas Wine and Refn film. It even has like the kind of colors of like Suspiria. And the trippiness of like Terry Gilliam films or something, and uh, I haven't seen. Uh, so I guess I fit into your holy fucking Moses thing of not. I, I just have not seen. Uh, I think I've only seen Enter the Void of Gaspar Noah's stuff, um, and I did not see that 2015 3D porn movie that he did. Although it's, it's a little more artful than being porn, but. You see some shit um, it's called love. <laughs> yes, and uh, so I, yeah, I, I just get the uh, get the feeling that I'm just going to see a lot of shit in this too. Okay, Preston, homework for the next week or two: you have to watch Irreversible and I Stand Alone. Okay, I, Irreversible is super crazy. Um, it's so good. It's with uh, Vincent Cassell and Monica Bellucci, and it is excellent. Uh, but yeah, same guy who did that did Climax, and I'm just, you know, I don't think he's done a musical before, so I'm very excited about this, uh, but yes, uh, Climax trailer, go check it out, and if, I mean, Gaspar No movies are not for everyone whatsoever, they are made to push your bounds, take you over your threshold, and, you know, make you feel dirty in a way, but they're also very excellent. 
Yeah. Well, A24 is putting that out, and it just seems perfect to play a Fantastic Fest. Yes. So there's that as a oh, possibility. If Gaspar Noe is there, I you have – oh, I'm going to – that will be – You're going to interview him with the GIMP outfit. Yes, I oh, – oh, yes, I am. Uh, it, is, it is going to happen. Um, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, also – a24 is putting a movie called Slice uh, out later this year, and it's also kind of like a fucked up looking movie, or at least there's no like images or any, well, there's like a few images, but no trailer yet. And so the trailer is supposed to drop next week, and the movie stars Chance the Rapper and Zazie Beats, and Zazie Beats was in uh, the new uh, Deadpool movie, Deadpool 2. And uh, the the story is that, or I guess it follows a pizza delivery driver who is murdered on the job and leaving the city searching for someone to blame. And so it says uh, ghosts, drug dealers, a disgraced werewolf. So, uh, man, I don't, there's like a lot of stuff going on here. So, it, it, and the, the, yeah, the poster for the movie is completely Domino's pizza. <laughs> Yeah. Well, they have a few of them out. They have Little Caesars oh, with yeah, right, his yeah. head decapitated, and then they did uh, Pizza Hut. So they're just taking all the mainstream brands of pizza that you know and uh, throwing murder or something messed up on the poster. So uh, yeah, they got they got my interest for sure. Everybody likes pizza, and everybody likes horror, I think. So combine the two. Yeah. And Chance the Rapper. I like Chance the Rapper, so I'm curious. And like how Preston said, it looks like they're throwing in like just a bunch of fun stuff into this movie. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I, 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 could, I could go for a slice. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> ah, yes. Um, and now I'm real excited for this next one. Actually... I'm excited and not excited because I've purchased these movies like eight times over, (laughs) (laughs) over like the last 10 years, but it's going to have to happen again. I knew it would. So Alien is going 4K for its 40th anniversary. So what do you think about this? Uh, Supposedly, it's not 100% confirmed, but it's it's pretty light. I could just see uh, Ridley Scott pushing for this to happen. Um, so right now it's eyeing uh, April 2019, and there's some disc art already up, and it's pretty cool. It kind of falls in line with a lot of the other releases, that, uh, kind of like the quadrilogy that they released with like all the different heads. So this one just has the xenomorph on the cover. And they're going to be doing a steel book and things like that. Um, yeah, I'm. I bought that uh, 35th anniversary edition that has like all the cool features. Really cool, love that. And then uh, about two years ago or so, or a year ago, they did uh, Aliens, and so I was hoping at some point they were going to do Alien Three. Uh, that Fox would release like those cool packages, collector's editions of it. But if uh, I mean, Alien is one of my favorite horror movies of all time and so any chance to get a new copy that goes into a higher quality uh for sure but yeah no i'm i i will definitely be getting it uh i've 
I had that really cool set from the 35th anniversary that had all the director's cuts and the theatrical cuts and everything. It's really cool. So yeah. if it's only Alien going to be released on 4K, I guess we're going to see how it does because they recently did that with the Matrix 4K, but now they're releasing all the other Matrix movies because it did so well on 4K sales. So I imagine Alien's going to do the same thing, but wouldn't they just release the box set, just like the all of the movies in one 4K? I, I, I would do. I would think so. Uh, it seems like the the trend right now is that they'll do like the first movie, the most pro- likely the most popular version of like some series or franchise, and release that on 4K. And at the same time, you know, they release it on Blu-ray, but then they release like a trilogy pack or whatever it is. Like they did that with Predator. Um, did they did they release Predator like all three of them, or is it just the first one? I uh, I think it was just the first one on 4K and then they did the box set. Okay. So, yeah, that just seems to be what's happening. So, I guess like as you said, if it does well enough, they would probably just release all of them. I would think that would probably be the cheaper route for them and the easier cuz I I'm, I'm all about right now is uh minimizing my shelf space. And so if I could take four movies or however many there are and shrink it down to one thumbs up yeah no for sure and now i'm just like okay do i sell all my alien stuff now just because 4k is coming out i don't know yeah so at least at least uh because with the last the 35th anniversary edition we did not get um digital copies with it unfortunately so yeah. Uh, hopefully with these 4Ks, we'll get digital copies, so that would be even cooler. Yeah, I'm sure it will happen. All right. So so there, you see, there's a movie called Down a Dark Hall, and I have not heard of it. Uh, but you saw it, I think, right? Yes. Um, it's coming out in limited release. So I just came across the poster online and I was like, Uma Thurman? Uma Thurman's in a horror movie? Um, it's more like of a gothic horror movie. And it ha- ha- <clears throat> it has uh, Anna oh, – what's her name? She's in um, uh, The Way, Way Back. Oh, Anna, Anna Sophia Robb. Yeah, her. So she's she's the, uh, the main protagonist in the movie. And so what kind of uh, got me – invested in wanting to check it out was well Uma Thurman being in it but then I watched the trailer and it had like the feel of like a classic uh ghost horror movie and uh so she plays but then it kind of goes into like a lot of the formulaic stuff that you kind of expect from a story like this and so what what it involves is a um so Anna Sophia, is, is that her name? Anna Sophia? Anna Rob? Sophia, Rob, yeah. Okay. Uh, so she is this troubled teen who is just getting in all sorts of trouble. Her her dad passed away, and so you can assume that this had a great effect on her. And um, she, her parents, her, her mother and her, her stepfather – uh, send her off to this uh, exclusive 
a boarding school called Blackwood, and it's like this big, you know, Crimson Peak type <clears throat> type of house. And they get they have like five other kids or five other students there, and so she goes to this school. And what they do is try to find a way to find something that they're good at and that they can feel confident about as a way to kind of eliminate any of their, you know, lashing out uh, to kind of eliminate the trouble that they're getting into and be find ways to be productive in life. And as it goes along, and this is kind of unique about the movie is it's it's kind of disguised as this movie that's there's a dark there's a dark hallway and they're not supposed to go down it they're told by the head mistress head mistress uh, who's who Uma Thurman plays and she has a french accent and uh she tells the students that they're not allowed to go down this dark hallway and because it's such an old house they have to use you know candlelight to get around because the house is so old that the electrician won't even touch it um, because it would just damage the house. And so this one hallway just does, isn't exposed to a lot of light. There's not a, any windows or anything like that. And so a lot of creepy stuff starts happening, um, kind of like what you would expect from a movie like this. So there's, you know, characters that are having nightmares and then they're seeing things and they're trying to convince or uh, tell the teachers about it and tell the other students who haven't experienced anything uh yet that there's there's a there's crazy stuff happening and no one's believing them and so that's where it kind of falls in the formula you kind of know what to expect but where it gets kind of departs from the norm is we learned that the the ghost activity that's happened in the movie is, and this this is probably kind of a spoiler, but I feel like it's what sets uh, sets it apart from others, and so I feel like it's important to note. Otherwise, if I try to explain this, you'd just be like, okay, well that sounds like everything I've seen, so why should I even bother? Um, and so the ghosts are these famous artists. So like musicians from like back in the day, like think of like Beethoven or a a poet or a painter and they're possessing these students and um, as a way to kind of, you know, puppeteer them and do their work, work that they did not get to finish because a lot of these artists died young from tuberculosis or just going uh, mad and insane and just dying young. And so that's what made it unique, a unique experience. However, there's just, I just don't think they directed it very well to kind of um, make it more to capitalize and follow through on a lot of the things that it sets up, which is that unique story idea. And so after that, there's a lot of stuff like uh, birds flying through windows and, um, even the way that the girls kind of interact with each other, it feels very disingenuine. Um, there's like one scene where uh, uh, you have like your, 
stereotypical uh, badass girl or badass person who kind of comes in and acts like they own the place and school and just uh, while other students are like, we need to abide by the rules and do things because they want to succeed at this point. Um, she's just like too cool for school and doesn't want to do anything and constantly challenges whatever the teachers are trying to get them to do. And so this badass bully girl sets Anna Sophia's hair on fire randomly. There's like no buildup to it to create any sort of tension between them. And then they have a cat fight. And then right after that, uh, one of the, the, the main girl that's in, um, what was that movie? The Orphan that came out in like 2009. That was a great movie. Yeah, I like that movie a lot. So it has, uh, I can't, I think her name is Isabella Furman. Okay. I could, I could be wrong on that, but she's, she's the one that plays the adopted girl in The Orphan. And uh, so she's in this. And so in that scene, they're being instructed on how to solve like these uh, crazy math problems. And so that's going to be uh, Isabella's uh, skill that she's going to take. Like she doesn't have any math skills, but because like each of the students like step in a different classroom, uh, they each take on a different skill. So this is going to be Isabella's. And so she's like looking at the board. So when this cat fight, cat fights going on, she like strangely looks at the board. And so you think like this, crazy things about to happen and then it just moves on so i feel like there's like a lot of things that are just kind of misdirected like it just leaves you to believe that something's about to happen and then it uh, nothing uh, becomes of it and so it, which is strange because the movie's directed by the guy who did the movie the movie uh, buried which, which i also liked that with ryan reynolds right yeah that, that movie's awesome movie yeah very effective and so I kind of expected that this movie would have like subtle, like a subtle approach, very similar to Buried. But it just feels like a collection of a lot of things you've already seen. And for it to have that unique storyline and not really do much with it uh, is a pretty big missed opportunity. Um, and even the music's not too terribly great. Like uh, it, it was produced by the people who did Twilight. So there's like happy-go-lucky sounding songs, uh, just like Twilight, where, you know, I like the Twilight soundtracks, not some, not the movies, but uh, the way that they're, like, thrown into, like, a, a YA type of adaptation just really brings down the quality. So um, if that still interests you, sure, take a shot, but uh, I think you'll... You'll like it on paper, but not as a film. Like, it's just uh, not good. Committed, or at least a committed performance by Anna Sophia, and, uh, but everything else is just kind of a, a big missed opportunity. Well, damn. Because I like Anna Sophia Robin. I like that director. Yeah. So <clears throat> that's playing in like limited release and uh, releases on, on Friday on demand and on iTunes. So if you want to check that out, you can check that out. And that's uh, Down a Dark Hall. Cool. Cool, cool. Um, moving on to a little bit of Scream Factory news. We love Scream Factory, the home video uh, conglomerate. Part of Shout Factory. They are releasing a big box set of the Rec series, R-E-C. Not Parks and Rec, but the horror zombie 
scary films, Spanish films called Rec, Rec 1 through 4 in a big set. And I'm very excited about this because I kind of like all of these movies. Um, You know, I guess the American version to this was, uh, oh God, Quarantine. And that will not be included in this because these are just the Spanish films Rec. But I'm very excited. You've seen these, right? I have not. Oh, have you seen Quarantine? Uh, no, I have not either. Oh my God, we got we got to get pressing to watch Wreck One at least, and then. Oh, I will. I mean, I'm I'm gonna definitely try to put in a request to review these, so I, I plan to check them out. Yeah, they are they are too good. Uh, they are super scary zombie films. Uh, like the first one, basically, as quarantine is is. Uh, it's like this high-rise apartment building, and then something happens, and all the people that live in this apartment building are quarantined, and the, just the virus spreads from person to person, and it is horrifying. Uh, but yes, they did a they did an American version, and I th- I was just as good, I think. Uh, but yeah, Rec One and Two, Three and Four, it's pretty crazy. Rec Four uh, goes. Um, <laughs> I think Rec Four goes onto a submarine at some point, but uh, it's it's pretty like the Fast and Furious franchise. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but I like these movies; they're good, and I'm finally glad to see that Scream Factory is giving them a big release for this. So there you go, and that will come out uh, September 25th, 2018. So only uh, several weeks away from that. Uh, but yes, yeah, Scream Factory Wreck. And also, uh, we've talked about Friday the 13th a bunch on this podcast. Uh, but I guess kind of like there's like a pattern here. It looks like every Friday the 13th movie is getting its own documentary uh, about the making of the movie. So the new one is The Dark Heart of Jason Voorhees. And it's a documentary about the final Friday, which... I'm liking all of these documentaries being released. I just think that's kind of cool. Um, I have not seen all of them, and I don't know if it's as comprehensive as, let's say, Never Sleep Again uh, from the Friday the Thirteenth. Or I mean, the Nightmare on Elm Street ones. But I'm I'm curious about this. What about you? Uh, I mean, I'm always on board to learn more about the Friday the Thirteenth franchise. So, any like anything. Uh, I'm always like even when I got the Friday the 13th the uh, 8 movie collection I was watching a lot of the features that I've already seen before but just kind of uh I'm just always chasing more information about them because I'm always fascinated with uh the creation of each of the films and why they felt that that was the direction to go with cuz there's no like through line so much with the entire franchise so all of them are like one-offs and um yeah so yeah any more information is uh cool with me yeah no i'm I'm excited about it we'll update you all uh with more it's a cool poster too yeah it's really cool uh because it's kind of got the uh the freddy krueger glove on top of jason's mask so it's kind of chrome mask yeah it's pretty cool um, and speaking of Freddy and Jason, it's been 15 years since Freddy vs. Jason was released in theaters. I remember when this happened. I remember reading the news when it was like coming out. I saw it opening night at midnight the night before in a packed house. And all I could say is like, I loved it. I still love this movie. Um, I, I, the fight scene was great. I liked the story behind it. The over-the-top acting. 
I just loved everything about it. I had toys and statues of this movie. Uh, just I'm, I can't believe it's been 15 years. And I think at some point in the very, very near future, maybe a podcast or two away, we are, our main feature is going to be Freddy vs. Jason. What do you say? Uh, yes, please. Yes, please. Um, but, uh, but yes, 15 years of Freddy vs. Jason. We'll probably get to that at some point. But you did like that, right? Oh, hell yeah. Uh, yeah, I watched it on Friday. When we had Friday the 13th this year, that was the movie that I chose to to watch. And uh, my wife had never seen it before. And so it holds up really, really well. Not to get in too deep if we're going to potentially do it, but uh, even today, at 15 years, it is still a very entertaining film. And that uh, final fight scene is still one of the greatest fight scenes ever. It really is. It's so good. But, yeah, we'll get into that at our main event because I am so excited about that. Um, But our bloody question of the week is up right now. What is that question, Preston? Uh, Since we're doing a bunch of zombie stuff today, um, talking about Wreck and uh, Return of the Living Dead, uh, I thought we should do a zombie-themed question. So I pose that if you were to be a zombie in a movie, what would you look like and, like, what strengths or what would be individually unique about you that would set you apart from other zombies in the world? Would you want to be a slow-moving zombie or would you rather be a fast one like 28 Days Later or would you like to crawl, like move like an ant like they do in World War Z? So what what would you what would your zombie look like, Brian? Okay, my zombie, and I, I thought about this, and I'm taking it straight from one of my favorite video games, Left for Dead, and I would be what they refer to in that game as a boomer. Um, basically, I would love to be like an 800-pound fat-ass zombie that pukes up bile and grossness on everybody and then that puke i puke up on everybody attracts other zombies to my prey (laughs) um so i um um, that would absolutely be the person because like you would hear me like you know regurgitating and burping quite loudly and i'd just be really gross and decayed and i'd have this giant belly that would be the zombie and characteristic i would want to have so much <laughs> but yes that that's what what about you preston <laughs> what what zombie would you want to be i, I heard you say jesus <laughs> yeah like like you're like a venus flytrap just have all these things about you that uh will yeah, lure more people in uh yeah mine's not quite as creative as that just because as a kid sitting on santa's lap would always creep the shit out of me um, because I just always felt kind of like uh, Buddy the Elf. He's like always suspicious of Santa, like you're not the real Santa. Um, so I would be a zombified Santa Claus at a mall who would look slightly, uh, who would look normal, but would be uh, like disguised to look like, uh, or would look, is a zombie, but disguised to look like, a human and so that would be my way of learning i guess i'd just be eating children which is super dark because i have a child <laughs> um but uh that's the way i'd go and then uh put them in bags for later to go my to-go bag 
I like that. I like that. that that's pretty creepy because you're taking a, uh, a very lovable icon uh, <laughs> of children and turning it to to very, very frightening, horrific carnage. I like that aspect of yeah. it. Yeah. It's been done before in movies. Like even Anna and Apocalypse has like one uh, Santa Claus zombie in it. Um, but there's, I don't think there's been, has there been a whole movie about a Santa Claus zombie? Not that I know of. Was there one in Zombieland? I think so. Maybe, but it was like a, like a split second though. There hasn't been one of like, you know, I, I guess, I guess Anna and the Apocalypse is a Christmas zombie musical, but also there hasn't been one where it's kind of like <laughs> a bunch of Santas as zombies going around. I don't know. That kind of sounds awesome. Yeah. Just like happens in new york um like all the santas that are uh working for the red cross they just all of a sudden unexplained like village of the dam become zombies well i guess yeah i guess there is a movie called santa claus versus the zombies but it looks like super low budget like maybe five dollars to make but that is that is part of it (laughs) gotcha very cool yeah i'm uh yeah, there you go. Well, we have to make one of those movies then. <laughs> Add it yes. to our list. <laughs> yeah, our endless list. Uh, are we up on bloody recommendations now? Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right. Who's going first? I'll go first. All right. Okay. <clears throat> so a couple of weeks ago, we had brought this movie up because the trailer came out. And now the movie's coming out this Friday. Or it might be out in other markets, but it's open at the Texas Theater since we're based out of Dallas, Texas. Um, so it's playing at the Texas Theater in Oak Cliff this weekend. And it is Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich. I don't think a movie could be any more fitting to be a bloody recommendation. Of all the bloody recommendations I've had, I think this is by far the bloodiest recommendation I have. <laughs> um, so, yeah. It is uh, pinned by S. Craig Zoller, as we've mentioned in the past, and he did Bone Tomahawk and Brawl Cell Block 9-9. And uh, so if you've seen, especially uh, Brawl and Cell Block 9-9 and all of what happens in that movie in its last third where heads are being crushed and bodies explode and things like that, uh, that's completely carried over into this film, which is... The 11th movie in the franchise, however, it's not uh, being put out by Full Moon. It has, like, Charles Band, who, you know, produced and directed and wrote a few of the films uh, in the franchise. But it is its own thing. It is a reboot that has ties with a lot of the things that happen in the first film. And so you'll, when you're watching it, you'll see all these like subtle nods, like even the way that the movie's structured, uh, being in a hotel for the most part, because the, the, the storyline involves, uh, well, in the beginning, you know, like what you get with a lot of horror movies, you get this one scene to kind of kick things off that, uh, sets the tone for the rest of the film. And so the movie uh, begins uh, where I consume what I consume is like the 80s and, and uh, it has uh, a woman sitting at the bar uh, conversing with 
her her lover, which is the the bartender, and then uh, what's his name Tolan. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, so this he's played by, and his name's escaping me. He's the guy that's in Brawl and Cell Block Nine Nine and the Blade movies. He's that Russian dude. Oh, Udo uh, Kier. Yep, that guy. So he's he's the character now, and uh, so he's uh, because he's like a, a Nazi character. He de- he. He sees these uh, two women kissing each other and just completely disgusted. So they're the they're the first to die, and uh, sets the the rest of the events that happen in the movie. So a big massacre kind of happens. Not really a massacre, just this tragedy uh, where the cops come and then they try to go kill uh, Tolan. And uh, so the, that's just kind of what's set up that this the cops come to the, the house. Tolan's in and he and then the cops shoot him and so uh 30 years later there's a convention going on to kind of um bring back the memories of what happened and there's uh uh what's her name Barbara I should have wrote all their their names down but she's in a reanimator okay I know who you're talking about I'm trying to remember her name Compton or something like that Okay. Um, and so she's in it. She was the cop that. Yeah, Barbara Crampton. Yeah, guy. you're right. Barbara right. Crampton. Yeah. Jesus. Um, <laughs> so th- there's a different actress that plays her character uh, in, in the early part of the film, but she's given like a tour to all the people who come to the convention to get a, a history lesson as to what happened back then. Um, so uh, we got uh, Thomas Lennon from uh, Reno 911 as Lieutenant Dangle. Uh, he is in this film. And so what gets his story going is his brother had passed away and he's recently divorced and he goes home to uh, his parents' house and he's going through his brother's stuff and he finds the the. the, the doll or the puppet that you would uh, most recognize from the, the franchise as the the dark coat with the skull face and hat in the hook hand and uh, the knife in his hand knife in the other hand and so he's confused as to how this doll doll uh, got into his brother's possession and so he finds out that this uh, conventions going on and so he wants to auction it off there and so apparently a lot of people have dolls or puppets similar uh, from all over the all throughout the franchise like uh, the torch doll and one that has a drill on its head and one that flies that has like a helicopter for a hand and then one has like a iron fist and so they all pop up and so people go to this convention, they want to auction off these dolls, and um, it doesn't go. It doesn't happen. The auction never happens. So all the people, all the attendees that are in this hotel are just brutally murdered. And so that that's what's the, the fun of the film. Um, it uh, sets up to be a very ambitious movie, but then it eases into being like this very contained story, which is great because movies like uh, uh, Deadpool do that, where it doesn't go with like super 
the normal superhero antics and tries to be like Avengers Infinity War or something like that, like to just constantly amazing you with plot uh, or story beat after story beat. Like this is just people dying inside a hotel where this convention is happening. And uh, the great thing about this movie is the death scenes. And some of them are very, very mean-spirited. I don't want to divulge too much of what happens, but I'll tease two. Uh, One involves a fat man taking a piss in a toilet, and he is decapitated, and his head falls in the toilet, and he pisses on his own head as his body falls. <laughs> and so uh, that is right up your alley, Brian. Yes, it is. <clears throat> and then the one that is most disturbing, and I'm not going to go into great detail as to what happens, but I will say it involves a pregnant woman and a doll getting inside her in having his way and it is probably one of the most disturbing things i've seen and as somebody who hated the movie mother because that movie was too real for me because i my child uh was born around the same time that that movie came out and so this one didn't bother me so much but it is it is very mean spirited, and so uh, if that's if something that you cannot swallow, uh, this movie's littered with it. Um, but there are also a lot of uh, the normal stuff that you would kind of expect, but taken to the S. Craig Zoller level, where a, a, a limb is ripped off and the body the body explodes in a Tarantino fashion, and so. Um, yeah, lots of blood, lots of killing, um, contained story, and funny. The characters are good, um, surprisingly so. Like, there's even like a comic book aspect to the entire film because Thomas Lennon's character is a comic book artist, and he owns a, a comic book store, so it has kind of like a clerk's feel to it because he has like a best friend and colleague that works with him, and they go to the convention together, and so the way that they kind of uh, plan out of how they're going to attack these uh, murderous Nazi uh, zombies, Nazi uh, puppets uh, comes from the comic book material that they have read in uh, pop culture. And so that plays into the film and it's very amusing. And um, a lot of the deaths are very dark, like I said, and, but they're played for laughs. So it's a movie that you kind of just, I I, uh, I kind of hate that I watched it on the small screen because I just got a screener link and watched it that way. But I could just imagine like a movie like this playing at a film festival like Fantastic Fest and the audience just literally just eating it up and just having a good time. Um, so if you're in Texas or in Dallas, go see it at the Texas Theater. They're showing like three late night showings around 9 or 10 o'clock. Uh, Friday, Saturday, and uh, Wednesday of next week. Uh, so definitely go see it if you can. Yeah, that's uh, Puppet Master Littlest Reich. That is a hell of a bloody recommendation for sure. I like it. Go see that. That's uh, that that'll be one to see. Good recommendation, sir. Um, my bloody recommendation, uh, keeping with kind of a over-the-top, silly zombie theme, I am going to recommend 
uh, a movie called Life After Beth. Um, have you seen yeah. this? Hell yeah, I've seen it. All right, so this is kind of like a comedy horror movie uh, that stars Aubrey Plaza, you know, from Parks and Rec, Dane DeHaan, uh, Molly Shannon, and John C. Riley. Matthew uh, Greg Goobler. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, it's basically... Uh, it's, it's like kind of like a family comedy, but with a zombie thing, uh, you know, uh, kind of like how Warm Bodies was to the story of Romeo and Juliet. Um, first time director Jeff uh, Baina, who was the writer of I Heart Huckabees, takes that plot device and reverses it. So like the female is kind of a zombie here and the male is a survivor, um, kind of like from the Romeo and Juliet Warm Bodies thing. Uh, for being a uh, first-time director, I think uh, Jeff really got an A-list cast because I think they just like kind of saw the script and was like, this sounds awesome. Um, but yes, uh, Beth is played by Aubrey Plaza. And um, basically, she turns into a zombie uh, while uh, hiking and whatnot. And her uh, boyfriend is Zach. And, uh, you know, just things go from there. They tr- they keep her alive because he's never really told her he loves her. And now, since she's a zombie, he can, like, finally be really open to her. Uh, it, there's just, like, a, a lot of funny, like, scenes like you would see in, like, kind of like a romantic comedy movie. But if the chick is a zombie trying to eat you or everybody. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's – Plaza does really well in this role. Um, she's – She's funny, she's sarcastic, but also she can turn on her, like, scary zombie thing on a dime. Uh, and Dane DeHaan throughout the movie is just em- an emotional wreck <laughs> because he has no idea what to do with himself. Um, it has a few, like, issues because it kind of goes in and out of genres here and there without a reason why. But it's still, like, a fun movie. And if you're looking for, like, a like a very different zombie-esque type of movie, if you haven't seen this one... Check this one out because I do believe it's on Netflix and uh, it's also on Blu-ray. There's audio commentary with the actors and writers and directors. Um, And then there's, you know, some uh, like, you know, like cool cool promo reels about the making of the movie in like 20 minutes of deleted scenes. Um, But yeah, it's kind of, it's a cool, cool little movie. Uh, Preston, you liked it? Uh, I did. Um, <clears throat> I gave it like a soft three out of five, but it's uh, it's uh, it's an enjoyable, entertaining film, and uh, it goes down some uh, pretty dark avenues, especially when they have like a sex scene, and she's so it, it kind of dives into like necrophilia, which is uh, pretty disturbing. And but there's a lot of good comedy in it. Uh, I brought up uh, Matthew. Greg Goobler, he plays his brother, who's like this wannabe badass sheriff uh, or type, but he's a, just a police officer. And uh, there's a really funny scene, and he still lives. So imagine like this like 30-year-old guy who still lives with his parents who's uh, on the police force. And uh, there's like this scene where uh, Dane DeHaan is like going into his room trying to talk to him, and then Matthew Greg Goobler says, get out! And then uh, – or or shut the door. That's what he says. Like shut the door. And then, so he shuts the door, but he's but Dane DeHaan's still inside. And it's like, no, get the fuck out and shut the door. And so, um, 
really good comedy beats throughout and uh, especially love one of the last scenes of the movie, which I won't spoil, but uh, it's pretty great. Involves uh, falling down a hill. Yes, 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 it does. Uh, yeah, go see, check out Life is Beth, Life After Beth. Uh, fun movie, great cast, uh, different than your average or normal zombie flick. So check that yeah. out. Um, but now on to the main event, the the main feature, Return of the Living Dead Two. Which came out in 1988 and was a, uh, which was the sequel to the Return of the Living Dead, which we talked about over the July 4th area weekend a few weeks ago. But oh my God, this movie has currently a zero percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Um, but it actually did well in theaters when it was released. It recouped its money uh, and even made a little bit more. But Return of the Living Dead 2, actually, um, if you looked in interviews and everything, the director of this movie has made several horror movies previous, but he hates the horror genre. And even he did not like making this movie. And in interviews, he has said the best thing about making this movie was the craft services, which is crazy because this movie in its own right is super fun and ridiculous. Um, in fact, Return of the Living Dead 2 uh, would have been rated PG-13 if it weren't for one scene uh, where somebody was blown in half. And if they toned it down just a tad, it would have had a PG-13 rating. Because interestingly enough, if you've seen the first Return of the Living Dead movie, it's pretty hardcore. Like there's like tons of gore, there's cursing, there's naked chicks everywhere. In this one, they really played like the family angle and has been compared to like Steven Spielberg's E.T. in tone, which is just really fucked up and weird to say with Return of the Living Dead 2. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of where they kind of went with this. But Preston, what what is where does this movie take place in relation to the first one and what kind of happens in it? Well, essentially, it's pretty much the exact same storyline, uh, just not done, doesn't have the punk circle or anything like that. Um, so what happens is a military unit is driving through this small town, and it's uh, one of the tri- – was it trioxin? Yeah, trioxin, uh, yeah. Uh, one of the barrels that has that in it uh, falls off the truck because the the military guy that's driving it is uh, smoking up and rounds a corner, and it falls off, and some kids discover it. So – uh, but it still has uh, the two cast members that you may know the most from the original. And uh, that's, uh, what's their names? Thomas, uh, well, James Karen and uh, Thomas, what's his last name? Yeah, Ed Matthews uh, and um, was it Tom Matthews, like the Joey Hazel guy? Yeah, Tom, yeah, yeah. Tom Matthews, yeah. So they're in this, and they pretty much play similar characters or like an extension of what they played in the original, but this time they're like low-level, low-energy grave robbers. And um, so the kids that uh, discover the trioxin barrel, they unleash it, and then like the first one, it gets out and wakes the dead. So they start coming out of the... The graveyard, because you know it's got to be near a graveyard, and uh, they come out, and 
there, there goes the rest of the film of the people that are around that area discover that this uh, zombie outbreak ha- ha- <clears throat> it happens and they need to uh, kill them all somehow. So not what you would expect from how the first one ends. You kind of expect that there would be some sort of continuation, but in a lot of ways this feels like a comedy, a horror comedy remake of the first one, except it is, it's not good. It's not a good movie, but it, it, as you said, it still has like a fun energy to it. Um, that still makes it enjoyable and passable, but, uh, you can feel that the director is not passionate about the movie that he's making. Cause uh, a lot of, that acting is pretty terrible in comparison, which is strange because, you know, you had those two actors from the first one who, who are great in the first one, but this one, they're making a lot of like awkward decisions, um, especially in how they react to uh, zombie kills or a zombie approaching them. And it kind of feels like uh, the room in a way, the room, um, (laughs) <laughs> a lot of bad dialogue and that sort of thing. But what what's still, like, uh, is good and great about it is the uh, horror effects, the visual and yeah, effects so, of the film. Yeah, it's all practical. It's all, like, it, it all looks, like, very 1980s, but all, like, the greatest, like, 1980s practical gooey zombie gross effects, which are really cool to look at. Yeah, and they even bring back Tar Man, except he doesn't look as good, not nearly as creepy as the first one. This one, he kind of has, it's like somebody's like operating the way that his muscles move on the face, and he's like out of the picture really quick. So that that's part of the problem, too. Like a lot of the good things that come about it are just kind of killed off in like Zack Snyder, Batman v Superman style of uh, like the things that he doesn't care about uh, are just thrown out. And so, um, yeah, a lot of problems with the movie, but um, the effects are very good, especially the, the part that you were teasing about with uh, the person blown in half. And like there's a, a scene of like the the bottom half walking and then the, the, the bottom or the top half crawling on the ground. And um, – some really good comedy bits, like some some things work or a lot of things don't work, but it's still kind of played like in a way that's like, oh, this is so stupid but funny. Yeah, so there, there's, um, yeah, there's a scene uh, where a bunch of zombies are getting electrocuted and out of fucking nowhere, yeah. Michael Jackson in his thriller costume, but not actually Michael Jackson, comes out as a zombie and is electrocuted, but it electrocutes him like in sort of like his dance from thriller. Yeah. <laughs> He's got the red pants and the red black leather jacket and it's clearly supposed to be Michael. Uh, but oh, there's like shit like that in the movie and you're just like, oh, wait, look at that. And it lasts for like 10 seconds. You're just like, holy shit. That just happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there's in uh, one scene that really made me laugh and it's really quick is when you see a, a really packed uh, military Jeep uh, with a bunch of zombies just kind of driving around town in it. And that made me laugh. And then there's like stuff that's really dark that I'm just like, oh man, I can't believe they went there, but okay. Um, where, 
a, uh, another group of zombies or all the zombies that are out in the street, they go inside of a, a vet, uh, like a vet clinic and they start eating, uh, the caged animals, the innocent defenseless caged animals in there. Um, <laughs> yeah. So things like that happen. So, uh, uh, I see the only reason to kind of own this is if you own the original uh, Return of the Living Dead on the Scream Factory release that they did, which is great. has really good, you know, really cool uh, slip cover and then great features. This one is the same thing, has really cool cover and great features. And I watched uh, uh, a, a few of them and like one is re- – dives into the special effects, which is like one of the greatest strengths of the entire movie. And then as you were teasing with like the, the commentary, you can watch, uh, like a 2005 commentary, um, has, uh, the director and the kid, uh, Billy and who's like the, the, the bully kid in the film who turns into a zombie. And this was like the only movie that he did. And so, uh, you get a little bit of insight into like what it was like to be like a child actor of the eighties in a horror movie. And then, uh, the director talking a lot about how he just was not in it for it and that the money and the craft services were the best part. And, um, so you, you get a sense that a lot of the people who were involved in both movies don't like the second one, but the people who are like only worked on the second one, they love it. <laughs> and, and it, yeah, so, it's true. It's true. So yeah, it, it's 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 just like a like own it for completionist reasons. See it for completionist reasons because if you like the first one, you're gonna go with the second one. It's just not good. It's not it's not a good follow up um, because you kind of that's the trapping of a lot of sequels is that you know, the idea is to go bigger, but also just kind of lazily follow the same storyline as the first. And so there was a, a lot of directions they could have gone with, um, for the sec for the second one. And they just didn't do that. Um, they just kind of went with what, uh, was successful about the first one. Um, especially in international markets. I know, uh, they've said that, in China, they liked the two main leads in the film, and so they die in the first one. But they go through the exact same thing; like they become, uh, they turn into zombies, and you don't really know what happens with them. Uh, you assume that they, like, in one scene, that James Karen's character got shot. Um, so, yeah, it's just not directed very well, and but there's just like a a good feel an energy to the film that makes you want to just kind of see it through. So that makes it worthy of owning knowing that it's a problematic piece, but there's, there's a lot of special features that kind of uh, break that down for you. And, um, and it still looks cool. It's good sh- uh, shelf jewelry, as I like to say. And uh, yeah, the third one is probably what people kind of wanted just going into a different direction. I think Bestron put out uh, return to living dead three and it's a completely different movie, barely has zombies in it, um, but at least tried to do something different. And so if that's your thing, you can watch that too. And so, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, and keep an eye out for a very young Doug Benson uh, in <laughs> Return of the Living Dead Part 2. He plays a zombie. 
And the soundtrack to this movie was released on Island Records and is pretty badass if you can find it on vinyl. Um, it's got a bunch of Anthrax songs and Mantronics. Uh, it's kind of like a heavy metal punk type shit. And it, it's one of those rare uh, records to find, but it's really good. Recommended. Uh, but yes, Return of the Living Dead Part 2. It is... Uh, I think it's our one film so far that has a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes currently, but still we recommend it because, goddamn, it's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, the bloody recommendation that I had was uh, Jaws, uh, The Revenge, the fourth one, and that also had a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes that I still think is worthy of checking out. But, yeah, um, for main feature, yes, for sure. This is the one that's at zero that we still uh, felt the need break it down and feel that it's one that you should uh, check out and own yeah get it on scream factory uh, but yeah i think that wraps up our bloody podcast for this week uh next week we will be fully legal not barely legal but fully legal um <laughs> with our 18th episode but yes uh we are my bloody podcast on itunes stitcher radio google play you know, all those good things. Look us up, please. Just type in Multimedia Men into iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review. Uh, but, yeah, find us on uh, Boomstick Comics, High Def Digest, or where are you, pressing? Where can they find you and all of your good, good ramblings? Uh, you can find me on FreshFiction.tv, where I'm the features editor, Posted a lot of reviews up on there. And I'm also on the Ditton Record Chronicle, so that's DittonRC.com, where I do all my weekly theatrical reviews and Blu-ray reviews and things of that nature. Perfect. It's been a pleasure this week. And uh, until then, uh, we will be watching horror movies and hope you will as well. And please let us know in uh, social media or email us and let us know what type of zombie you would be in a movie and what your characteristics would be because we would love to hear it. Yeah, so hit me up on at Preston Barta, B-A-R-T-A, on Twitter. There you go. Well, so long, ghouls and ghoulettes.